0: to the equine connection podcast where health nutrition and love for the horse come together this podcast is brought to you by tribute superior equine nutrition i'm dr chris mortensen
1: and i'm dr nicole rambo
0: hey nicole it's so great to see you how you doing
1: I am doing well. I uh, got an espresso for Christmas, so I'm highly caffeinated. (laughs)
0: That's good. That's good. That's good. Oh, that time of year where it's getting a little chilly in your neck of the woods. So I hope everybody's buckling down, staying warm, getting through the winter. Uh, Today's topic, this one was interesting. Uh, herd feeding or or feeding horses in group and it brought back a bunch of memories for me from my very earliest experiences feeding a herd of horses but just to start this off it, to you as a nutritionist okay because again you, you know you're the the subject matter expert what do you consider a herd feeding situation is it two horses three horses Fifteen horses, yeah, a hundred. What in your mind? What, uh, when when do you start saying, okay, this is when you need to start taking some of these things into consideration?
1: Oh, this is such a fun topic because one of the things I love to do is just watch horse behavior. I think it's super interesting mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see kind of their social hierarchy, how they behave, especially when it comes to eating behavior. Everything that we're going to talk about today, I think, applies to when you have more than one horse being fed in a shared space. Uh, In fact, I could even give you some examples of how maybe some of that behavior impacts horses who aren't even in a shared space. They might have open sight line to each other, things like that. So when we're talking about herd feeding, I think The logistics of it are going to vary whether we're talking about one horse or 50 horses in a shared space. And hopefully those two shared spaces are very different sizes. But, uh, you know, ultimately the basic premise is the same. Once you have more than one animal, you're no longer individually feeding. And there's some things that we need to think about to make sure it's a smooth process and everybody gets what they need.
0: It does like I said, it brought back so many memories, especially you know, a lot of my experiences is, is in the university setting. and so we have you know 150 head of horses and, and they're in different pastures with 10 to 15 and, and, and we'll talk about some of the behaviors, especially with, especially with mares. We, I love them. I worked with them all the time, but they can be mean. <laughs> they can be a little nasty towards each other, especially around feeding time. So yeah, fascinating topic. I guess just to one of the, one of the things I wanted to ask you and, and just for the listeners to, to to help tee this up a little bit, why do we keep them in a herd? Because it can be challenging to feed them, right? But what's some of the benefits of, of keeping horses, like I said, two or more together.
1: Well, Chris, first I would say it's not just the mares. I own some geldings who can be a little bit food aggressive. Yes. if not managed yes. appropriately. Yes. So I think it's all horses. Okay. Uh, but you know, Ultimately, when it comes to horse management, there's lots of different ways you can do it. So I don't want any of this to be like, oh, this is the one way you should do it. Um, in fact, some of the most gifted horse managers are the ones who can kind of finesse things and find the right groups and find the right program that fits all of the horses in their care. One of the things that a lot of horses benefit from, I won't say there's not the rare exception, is... Um, is you know the social behavior that comes from a group setting, and that group setting might be one other companion, it might be multiple companions. But, you know, but they are ultimately herd animals. So from that perspective, there you know can definitely be benefits to maintaining them in a group, at least part time. The other component is basically comes down to the management. So. You know, particularly if you know they're out on large pastures, that's certainly less day-to-day work. It doesn't mean there's not other additional work to manage things appropriately. But you're not cleaning stalls, some of those things. Um, you know, so it kind of depends on the part of the country you're in, the type of facility that you have. But I'd say those would be the two main benefits. Horses are herd animals; they enjoy social interaction. Usually, not all of them and then you know there are definitely advantages from a labor perspective to having you know pastures where you have groups of horses together you minimize the amount of time you spend on certain chores when you're managing horses in that way
0: yeah 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 and i was i always taught, you know since it is more natural setting they, they you know there's a lot of health benefits fresh air they're getting a lot more exercise all of that i mean there's there's a bunch behind that thought right
1: Right. And I wouldn't confound herd management with turnout, though, um, because there are definitely Mm -hmm. horses Mm -hmm. who still get turnout and it's all individual turnout because that's how, you know, the management system works at that barn. So I'd say, you know, you can definitely separate those two things. Turnout in general, and we all know turnout, movement, fresh air, all of those things are great for horses. Um, That can be a separate discussion, though, because horses can be individually turned out.
0: True. Yeah, very true. Very, very good. Good point. Good point. Okay. So that setting that up in a herd setting outdoors, how do we feed them? What are some of the the strategies? And again, you know, pasture management is a whole different topic, but briefly, you know, starting with pasture, or if we go through the hay or we go through the concentrate feeding, just kind of broad overview, starting with pasture, how should we approach how we feed our horses? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad you point out that you're really talking about three different systems, and all of them mm-hmm. can potentially be herd feeding. You know, I think the pasture setting. So, if you are blessed to have large acreage and plenty of grass, honestly, as long as you're, you know, fertilizing, mowing, keeping down weeds, that's the least labor intensive and usually the lowest stress uh, management system in the sense that horses are less likely to fight um, out on grass because there's not that sort of resource hoarding uh, or stress around that that we see when we get to hay and concentrate. So herd feeding in the sense of horses out on pasture, that's relatively straightforward. You know, need appropriate stocking density, all of those things, and need to maintain your pastures. But overall, there's not a whole lot of concern there. There becomes a question of, is that their sole diet? You know, we would argue that they need some additional trace mineral, vitamin, amino acid supplementation on top of even really good pasture. You can do things like put out tubs and licks. They don't necessarily consume them at a set rate, so you lose that individualized feeding component. But thinking about it just from forage intake, pasture's pretty straightforward. Then the question is, do you concentrate feed them, and how do you do it? Which I think is number three on our list. Uh, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so let's hit hay next. So, it, in parts of the country, horses stay out on their pastures, and then sometimes you add additional hay supplementation during times of the year that your grass isn't very productive. Depending on where you live, the exact timing of that may vary, but generally, it's a winter type issue. Although, you know, some people are able to plant certain varieties that grow well in the cooler season kind of depends on where you are. But if you're out on pasture and you're adding hay, um, generally, you know, we're looking to manage the groups and feed an appropriate type of forage. So you might split your easy keepers and your hard keepers and have different types of hay supplementation, whether that's quantity or quality. And then if you're not out on pasture, maybe you're in a part of the country that stays really muddy. That would be, you know, where I live. Horses come up into dry lots, so they're on stone dust, so they're not, you know, tearing up your pastures. Same thing, but now a lot of times they're in a smaller space, so you have a little bit more of a challenge managing that resource guarding, which I feel like is generally one of your biggest issues in herd feeding environments. You have, you know, your social hierarchy, Some horses are towards the top of that hierarchy. They're going to push other horses around, make sure they get the most. Horses that are lower on the hierarchy may not get as much hay. And the question is, the amount that they get, is that appropriate to maintain their body condition and the digestive function? So that minimum amount of fiber in their diet. So in both those situations, you're looking to really manage amount of hay and quality of hay because we're looking at, you know, maintaining horses from both a calorie perspective and just their basic fiber needs.
0: No, I love how you how you define that resource guarding. And, and, and it just, like I said, it brought a flood of memories and, uh, you know, because I dealt with a lot of mares because the, you know, the reproductive side and watching them run horses off, feed, uh, being aggressive. This is my food, leave, you know, get away. Uh, Pin deers, all that fun stuff. So how do you manage that? Because that is, I, like you said, I think that is the number one issue. I mean, there's some others that, that I've listed here that I want to get to, but that's the big one. So it, it, from a management standpoint, what can we tell our listeners that, hey, this is some of the, the, the tips and tricks that we've used that work well?
1: So I think it's a combination. One of putting together appropriate groups that are sized appropriately for the space you put them in. So, you know, exact stocking density honestly varies a little bit depending on um, the personality of the horses involved, you know, but We've all seen the situation where you just have too many horses in too small of a space. And even if you're putting out plenty of hay, for example, not all of them can get to it. They feel pressured, so they do more of that guarding behavior. And then, you know, you run into injury issues, horses not eating enough. So on the one hand, you have grouping horses appropriately, both from a personality standpoint and, again, back to like a calorie needs standpoint, How we provide hay in the winter to our hard keepers might look a little bit different than our easy keeper group. After that, it's making sure they don't feel that they really have to fight for their forage. There's a couple different ways we can approach, but most simply what it looks like is honestly having more eating spaces than there are horses. So that way, when they're playing musical hay piles, there's always another hay pile for a horse to go to. And you want them spread far enough away that a single horse can't guard more than one hay pile. So if we're putting out loose hay. Sometimes people use round bales. You know, that's definitely an option as well, as long as, you know, it's horse quality, well put up hay, all of those things. And, you know, the number of horses per round bale is... It varies a little bit, again, depending on the personalities involved. So the nice thing about a round bale from a guarding perspective is usually they get tired of playing ring around the rosy, going in circles, and they allow other horses to eat from the other sides of the round bale. Not always. Um, so, you know, in one group, four or five horses per one round bale might be appropriate. In other groups, you may need to have more eating spaces based on those personalities. So, it's it's again, like I said, it's tough and it goes back to observation and behavior. I can't really give you hard and fast rules. Um, other than that, those are things you want to be mindful of. And again, looking at your groups, you know, so in my particular little herd, um, I have one who is separate. So he's on individual turnout because he's recovering from an injury, a surgery, lots of things, right? So we we don't want him <laughs> to feel any pressure. I'm sure, by the way, whenever people listen to these podcasts, I'm like, here's my personal experience. And they're like, this woman must have 20 horses. No, I just have a couple with bad luck. Um, yes. So I have one horse who's on individual turnout because he doesn't need to feel any pressure, all of those things. And then I have a group of three. And, you know, if you observe them, they're eating out of a hay hut um, type uh, enclosure where I put small squares in it. And, you know, the two that are more dominant in this situation are the harder keepers. So there's one horse who's a little lower on the pecking order But he's a very easy keeper. So even though he doesn't spend quite as much time consuming forage, he still maintains his body condition fine. So kind of looking at those herd dynamics, if the situation was flipped and the dominant horses were easy keepers and the lower on the totem pole horse was a hard keeper, even though it's only three horses with a lot of different eating spaces, that situation might not be appropriate for them.
0: That's all good. It's, it's all good advice, Nicole. And, and it just, like I said, uh, I remember, you know, different universities, we, we had different uh, strategies. Uh, we did have the the little stalls that the horses were, were trained to go in, especially with their foals. Uh, it was, worked really well. The most dominant mare went in, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way up to 15 or whatever it was per pasture to early in my career when we were feeding that corn. Oh God, it's so long ago. It, oh, I cringe when I think about that. And that was uh, uh, feeders along the fence line where we'd go and just dump scoops of corn in and the mares would come and the dominant mare would bolt her feed and then push down this, the second mare. Second mare pushed the third mare down. Third mare pushed the fourth mare down all the way to the end where the little mare you know, she, she was not getting any feed. So when it comes to, to, to meal feeding, especially with concentrate, what are some of the strategies that you would suggest or that you've experienced with your own horses, um, on how best to, uh, to do that on top of what you've already mentioned with the behavior and stuff. So all of those tips apply, but especially when it comes to meal feeding.
1: Ah, so this is where it gets a lot trickier because I would say, you know, unless you're set up for complete individual turnout, then sharing forage is a normal thing in lots of barns. And you know it takes some management, like I said, to prevent resource guarding, putting the right groups together. But when we talk about concentrate feeding, we up the ball game a whole nother level, really for two reasons. One, it is you know something that we're trying to generally feed in a more individualized manner. So, you know, one of the basic tenets that we talk about here at Tribute is every horse deserves an individual feeding plan. And the reason for that is they are individual. They have different health conditions, different work levels, different stages of life. And that's challenging to address in a herd situation. The other thing, thinking about behavior, is you see some guarding that happens with hay. You now have something that's much much higher reward for the horses so it is a more in-demand resource therefore that guarding behavior that you see to some extent with hay can get a lot more dramatic when we start group feeding concentrates so I'm not saying it's impossible to do and you've even kind of touched on a couple of the ways that we would discuss to herd feed but it is a lot more challenging So that being said, it doesn't mean it's impossible. The first thing I would caution everyone is as a handler, um, it can very quickly become more dangerous for you to go into a dry lot or pasture setting to feed grain. So I think that's something to be mindful of. And I'm not saying horses are necessarily going to go after you, but in their effort to push each other to find the best bucket, you do put yourself at some risk being in that situation. So a lot of the more successful programs, you're feeding in a catch pen or you're feeding from outside the fence. You know, the other part of it, again, is the individualized nutrition component. Um, So like your example with the mares, not only did the little mare at the end maybe not get the feed she was supposed to, not great when we're thinking about supporting her gestation, you know, but what if they have a little bit different needs individually, So you have to think about how if we are true group feeding a single concentrate, you have to be even more mindful of putting together groups that are very similar from a nutritional perspective. So that could be by age, how hard or easy a keeper group is, things like that. Because just within broodmares, even within the same breed, I'm going to recommend a ration balancer for some of them. I might recommend a much higher fat feed. That's a growth feed for others. So, that's one of those challenges to concentrate feeding. In terms of strategies, so I think the examples that you gave of catch pens, pretty common in some of your group feeding situations, particularly I've seen this on a lot of thoroughbred breeding operations. It removes the necessity for someone to bring those horses in and out of stalls, but it allows you to put them in their own individualized space. Sometimes that looks like every single horse goes into an individual catch pen. Sometimes that looks like just the dominant horses or maybe those that have more specialized nutritional requirements. So if most of the group is pretty similar, but you have one horse who's a much harder keeper, needs a greater quantity of feed or maybe a different feed, you might put that horse into your catch pen to feed them individually so they aren't pressured to run off that. And then the rest of them, you would feed the same diet. Again, making sure there's plenty of space between them and one more bucket than horses. So there's always an option for a horse to go to when it's pushed off. Again, not ideal, but it allows you to get more personalized.
0: No, yeah, the good tips. It is good tips, and it 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 it's, this could, again this this these discussions lately can turn into like hour long podcasts because there's so much that can go into it. But I think those are some some great recommendations. And again, if you know, I'll plug it here. If you are having difficulty or pulling your hair out on trying to feed you know, your two horses or 10 horses or more, uh, always feel free to contact us and get a free consultation uh, to help out. But just to kind of wrap some of this up, Nicole, what are some of these, are there any other tips that you want to give, especially when it comes to herd feeding? Because again, there's a million different things that you have to think about. Like I said, safety is a big one. Uh, but what are some of the other things that that may help owners?
1: Yes, Chris, I have more, and I know I've been talking a while. Yeah, okay, <laughs> very it's quickly. Okay, so it's all good. Um, you know, one thing that has been used successfully in some setups are feed bags. So basically, they're kind of like a halter with a little bag. So each horse gets their individualized nutrition in a bag over their face, and they learn to eat off that. So nobody can steal from them. A little bit more management. And again, there can be some challenges because horses are like real excited to get those put on. So be careful. Uh, number two, horses, even if you've completely set things up, so you have enough buckets, you can individualize as needed. So they tend to feel more pressure eating in that situation. So we do sometimes see increased incidence of choke in horses who are fed in a group setting basically because they're going to bolt it down as fast as possible because they're worried about another horse stealing that. So that's definitely a risk to look out for. I will say sometimes that's a risk when horses are stalled um, and have sightline to other horses. So that's not just specific to group feeding, but when horses feel pressure, they do eat more quickly. Uh, finally, when we're thinking about eating outside, you know, keeping the area relatively clean. So if you're always feeding in a small area and there's a lot of manure buildup, we're going to increase the risk of parasite transfer. And then if you're in a sandy area, we're going to want to be careful about feeding concentrates off the ground because we don't want a lot of sand intake. So something like rubber mats under those areas uh, would definitely be warranted.
0: No, there is. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it as far as Consider, it. But what, don't you agree once you have it set up and you have a good system, it, it runs really smooth? Uh,
1: generally speaking, yes. I would say the biggest consideration is that you need to be on top of it. I think it's much simpler to feed horses in stalls. So it's a situation where even if you've had a system that's been working, you should observe them while you're group feeding. You can't like throw your grain and go do other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um but overall yeah I think if if you're mindful about how you put things together and how you set it up it definitely can be successful but you know it does take some definite thought to get that program just right.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know I've many mornings in Florida just enjoying watching the horses eat And especially after foaling, like it's just oh those are some of my favorite memories uh back down there. Anyways I think we'll leave it there. It's a it's a fascinating uh, topic. <laughs> very good all solid advice nicole i i would just like to ask the listeners if you have any burning topic that you really want to learn more about please don't hesitate again contact us that link just send a quick quick note hey i would love to hear more about x y or z let us know uh, we've been adding the listeners requests to our lists and so we talk about it every month and hopefully you've been enjoying these podcasts that you know listeners have, have been asking about just another quick reminder if you can't go check out the website it's been updated tribute equine it's the last link in the show notes you can go down there and click on that it will take you to the new beautiful website link to the podcast link to our blog articles that that are associated with these podcasts and, you know, things you can do to your individual feeding plan, things like that. So I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you, Nicole. Stay warm and stay tuned uh, for a new podcast next week. Thanks so much, Chris.